Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 3, episode 324 of this daily study podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again today as we continue with our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. Uh, we are looking at Doctrine and Covenants, uh, section 133 to 134, in the week of November the 15th to November the 21st. And today we're continuing with section 133, looking at uh, the appendix, as it were, to the revelations that were compiled in the Doctrine and the Covenants received by the Prophet Joseph Smith. <clears throat> and in, in this part, of course, we're talking about this gathering of Israel that's going to be taking place in these last days. In verse 7, the Lord says, Yea, verily I say again unto you, the time has come when the voice of the Lord is unto you. Go ye out of Babylon, gather ye out of from among the nations, from the four winds, from one end of the heaven to the other. One of the great missions as Latter-day Saints that we have is to take part in this gathering of Israel. And that is through on both sides of the veil, as President Russell and Nelson has been teaching so often so recently about how we need to um, have to missionary do missionary work and temple and family history work, that both are such important aspects of what we do today. Elder D. Todd Christopherson said, quote, The antithesis and antagonist of Zion is Babylon. The city of Babylon was originally Babel, the Tower of Babel fame, and later became the capital of the Babylonian Empire. The, its principal edifice was the Temple of Bel or Baal, the idol referred to by the Old Testament prophets as the shame, given the sexual perversions that were associated with its worship, its wilderness, its worship of evil and the captivity of Judah, there following the conquest of 587 BC, all combined to make Babylon the symbol of decadent societies and spiritual bondage. He called for the elders of his church to be sent forth across the world to accomplish this gathering, commencing an effort that continues in full vigour today. Close quote. We have a call to be <coughs> gathered out of Babylon and to gather others out of Babylon in the cause of Christ as well, to bring them out of the uh, wiles and vines and temptations of the world today uh, and to bring them to Christ. Um, and it's this Babylon which is um, referred to as those who don't seek to, to further the cause of Christ. And I think that um, this is obviously the attitude that the Latter-day Saints had when they were gathering together uh, in the Ohio and in Missouri and other places as well, which at some times I think was part of the issue. And we've talked about this um, in previous episodes that, um, you know, there was one instance where they were told by a government official to stop gathering together. Um, and then they would probably have less problems, uh, you know, with with local citizens and things like that. But the Lord was very clear in, in the need to gather together. And that was obviously with the idea that in future that would be what would be given, what would help the saints have the most strength to move forward across the world. Um, and if they hadn't done that, it may well have lost momentum. In verse nine, it says, And behold, and lo, this shall be their cry, and the voice of the Lord unto all people. Go ye forth in unto the land of Zion, that the borders of my people may be enlarged, and that her stakes may be strengthened, and that Zion may go forth unto the regions round about. So this idea of needing to strengthen the stakes, to strengthen the organisation of the church, was an important point as well. 
Elder Dallin H. or present Dallin H. Oak said, quote, Another sign of the times is the, of, is the gathering of the faithful. In the early years of this last dispensation, the gathering to Zion involved various locations in the United States, to Kirtland, to Missouri, to Nauvoo, and to the tops of the mountains. Always these were gatherings to prospective temples. With the creation of stakes and the construction of temples in nations, most nations with sizable populations of the faithful, the current commandment is not to gather to one place, but to gather in stakes in our own homelands. There the faithful can enjoy the full blessings of eternity in a house of the Lord. There in their own homelands they can obey the Lord's command to enlarge the borders of his people and strengthen their saints. In this way, the stakes of Zion are for a defence and for a refuge from the storm, and from wrath when it shall be poured out without mixture upon the whole earth. Close quote. And it's this uh, call to gather in stakes which is now in full force today, that obviously we are not called to, to gather physically to one specific geographical place in the world, um, but we are to gather together in our homelands now um, and prepare for the coming of the bridegroom, which of course in verse 10, that's what we start to read about, is the idea that the bridegroom cometh and that we need to prepare ourselves for this great day of the Lord. In verse 11 it says, Watch therefore, for ye know neither the day nor the hour. <clears throat> and I think that in order to understand that, we need to recognise that we don't know the day or the hour. Of course, there are individuals that make suggestions and um, read the scriptures and pick out phrases and phrases from what other people have said. But uh, I think I believe it was President Russell M. M. Russell Ballard who once said that as an apostle of the Lord, he doesn't have any idea. <laughs> and, you know, so therefore, perhaps we should probably just focus on making sure we are prepared whenever that day is, uh, which is, of course, you know, the whole idea of this. And we've referred to this previously about how, you know, the Lord is wise in, in not giving us a set day and time, because, of course, we will then make sure we're ready by that day and time and not necessarily as soon as possible, um, because we don't know when our second coming will be. Uh, we don't know whether it will, will be when the actual millennium comes or whether our time on this earth will end. Uh, and so we need to prepare today to make the changes we need to to repent and to come closer to our Saviour as best as we can. Um, so that, that really comes to the end of the section up to verse 19 in terms of what I wanted to share with that. Um, but obviously this, this section goes on and gives us a number of um, prophecies and indications about the second coming of the Saviour. One particular um, prophecy or, or, or suggestion from the Lord comes in verse 29, and I think this is a particularly interesting one that stood out to me because I think it has a number of applications. It says in verse 29, And in the barren deserts there shall come forth pools of living water, and the parched ground shall no longer, no longer be a thirsty land. Now, this is um, when the Saviour comes. He says in verse 25 that the Lord, that even the Saviour, will stand in the midst, midst of his people and shall reign over them. So this is when he comes again. And of course, straight away, you know, we could link this to the um, you know, the earth providing the resources that it needs for all its living inhabitants or making or well, actually, in reality, the earth does provide all the, the resources that the, the living inhabitants on the earth need. It's humanity which obviously directs and and doesn't distribute and and many things like that to make it more and which makes it more difficult uh for everyone to have what they need on in this in this world but of course um 
This could not just be referring to physical waters, but of course, spiritual living waters. And in fact, it does say pools of living water, which indicates again that it may rather be referring to a spiritual outpouring of um, the spirits of the gospel into the lives of, of all the people who remain on the earth then. Um, Sterling W. Sale said, quote, Water is the universal element and is the symbol of life. Jesus used it to describe a personal testimony of his divinity. Pure water will also be one of the secrets of the earth's regeneration in the pop in preparation for its millennium. However, the richest treasures do not come from water breaking forth in the wastelands of the desert. The greatest enrichment comes when we acquire a personal testimony of the divine mission of the saviour of the world and a firm determination to make our lives productive in godliness. Dr. Henry C. Link once said that nothing puts so much order into human life as to live by a good set of sound principles. And the soundest principles are the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Water is also a symbol of cleanliness. And Jesus indicated that after cleansing ourselves with the soap and water of repentance, we should be baptised and have our sins washed away by his atoning sacrifice. Close quote. We have just begun, really, looking at the things that section 133 suggests. So we'll continue with that tomorrow and consider what other things we can be looking out for today and also what things we have to look forward to when he comes to this earth again. Thank you so much for joining us once again for another episode of the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. Please follow us on Facebook at Church of Jesus Christ study session um, with Come Follow Me and also email LDS, uh, LDS study session at gmail.com. Thank you very much for your time and until we meet again.